Hello and welcome to this week's message from Valley Church. Catch up on recent messages and find out what's happening in the life of church by heading to valleychurch.eu or follow us on social media. Enjoy the message. I just wanted to say to all of you as we begin and everybody online, let's make sure over the Christmas season, I know some of you are still wrapping presents, you've got all the food to get, you've got some decorations to put up and it's all a bit crazy and mad. Some of you will be disappearing next week to go and see relatives. I can. Let's pause from time to time. And just remember what the Christmas season is all around. I really think that God wants us to enjoy the celebration. Remember all of heaven celebrating. You know, the shepherd's story, the angels came and they celebrate. So let's celebrate, let's have fun, let's enjoy ourselves. But let's just from time to time remember that we're celebrating the Son of God coming down onto earth. Why? Because he loved us, he believes in us, and he's going to live a life of example and then a death and a resurrection. But let's celebrate that. We're looking at prophecy in this particular Christmas season. Old Testament predictions of what the Messiah, the Israelites' Messiah, was going to look like, what his life would be, um, the things he kind of do, and why he was coming. To help us really in this season to understand why Jesus came as a baby. And that's why we're looking at prophecy, to help us understand why Jesus came as a baby, what he came to do, and who he is. We've looked at God being with us, and he is with us. It's one of the promises Jesus left with us. That he was born to die and come back to life again, which is cool. That, that um, he came to bless us as a people. He came to save us. He came to rescue us. He came to, as it were, set us free to be the people that God intended us to be. And we talked, and I talked last weekend about he came to bring victory over sin but the results of sin, victory over death, that and put eternity back in the hearts of mankind to bring hope and a future. And today, we're going to look at the Messiah in the prophecy. He's going to be the offspring of King David, of his line, born as a king, a king who would live for eternity. So I've entitled this message, this for your notes, King David's Eternal Heir. King David's eternal heir. I'm going to pray and then get into the message. Father, we thank you that you are here. We thank you that when we think of you, all of earth's worries can fall into the past. When we do concentrate on your kingdom, when we fix our eyes on heaven, on your name. And Father, I pray this morning for every single person here. In this room, those online, those who listen to this message later on, God, help us to fix our eyes on you and get a heavenly perspective in our life, whatever is going on, the good, the bad, the ugly. And Father, I pray for these moments. Help us to open our hearts and our minds to your voice, to your... And Father, help us, as it were, to release our senses so we may sense and feel your love and your joy and your peace in our lives, your blessing. And Father, help us to listen and then to act on anything that you may say. And Father, is there any here who don't know you? Father, I pray that they may have a revelation, an understanding of who they are before you. Father, they need to have you as their Savior and Lord, as their King and their friend, if they will do that. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I want to begin with the prophecy. So if you're taking notes, number one, the prophecies. I'm going to start uh, my first reading in 2 Samuel chapter 7. It's a, a prophecy actually given by a prophet God's word to 
uh, through a prophet to King David. David was the second king of Israel. Acts 13.22 talks about him being a man after God's own heart. King David loved God, and God loved him. Now, King David was not a perfect man, and I haven't got time to go into all his faults, but at the core of his being, he loved God with all his might. And that's what God's interested in. And I, I love the promises given to a flawed man. Not a perfect man, a flawed man. It doesn't matter what we do. If our hearts before God, if we come in humbleness and apology, which Dave, David, King David did whenever he messed up, you know, God loves us. And he promised this to David in 2 Samuel chapter 7, beginning to read at verse 12. He says this. When your days are over and you rest with your ancestors, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, your own flesh and blood, and I will establish his kingdom. He's the one who will build a house for my name. So this is talking about Solomon initially. And then he says this, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. And there's this sense that, that, that David understood that out of his, out of his offspring, out of his, his line would come a king who would last forever. And Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 9, a very famous um, Christmas passage, um, in the darkest of days for the Israelite nation, they were being attacked um, very soon, either just happened or was about to happen. The northern kingdom actually gets destroyed completely and they get exiled. And the southern kingdom is also in great pressure at this time. Isaiah, understanding the promise given to King David, wondering what was happening, prophesies this about one to be born in his distant future. In hundreds of years, this Messiah is going to come. I won't read it all, but we'll start reading at verse 6. It says for this. So this is a prophecy. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. He'll be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. And David understood tonight, and Isaiah understood from these prophecies, these foretelling of the future, that there will become a king born, a Messiah born in the future that would do two things. It would rescue Israel. Obviously, in David's day, the kingdom was secure, but in Isaiah's day, the kingdom, two, the two kingdoms that they split into in those days, was in dire trouble. They had no good leadership. God seemed far away, and they were about to get conquered, or they were being conquered. And he looked forward to a day when a new king would rise, and he would establish, he would rescue them, he would save them. He could see that they needed a savior. But also that this king would establish a kingdom that would last forever. And both in, in the prophecy in David and this prophecy in Isaiah, there's this idea that the king will last forever. Not just the kingdom, but the king would also last forever. Something supernatural would happen. And the everlasting life that, let's face it, every human being dreams of and desires would actually take place. And this king would bring in a new era, a new era of everlastingness. And uh, even we at this stage don't really know what that means or might look like. Um, but this was the promise that God was giving the people through I, 
Zion. And that it was presumed it would all come true once. Right? The presumption was that this, this Messiah would be born, would, would presumably come and eventually take over the kingdom, and, and then the kingdom would be established, and it would happen all at once. So the people would be saved, and kingship rule would happen all at once. And that's why, everybody, why the Jews, when Jesus arrived, kind of missed it. Because they were expecting a king king, which was going to bring authority, kick the Romans out, and all that kind of stuff. Not just a savior king. They thought that both sides would happen at once. And obviously, we can look back now and go, well, mm, half happened. So, second thing to just think about is the kind of the beginning of fulfillment at the first Christmas. Matthew 1, verse 1. Matthew speaking to the Jews. says this as he begins his story of Jesus' life. The gospel, he says this. Um, this is an account of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Are you making the point to start off with? This is prophecy fulfilled. The story I'm about to tell you is a prophecy given to David. Actually, all the way back to Abraham is now going to be fulfilled through this person I'm about to tell you about. Luke um, records the um, visit of the angel to Mary and puts it like this. So Luke 1 verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth a town of Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You will find favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son. You could call him Jesus. He will be great and be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. The angel said, look, this Messiah is going to fulfill two. He's going to be the Savior, and he's going to be king and introduce and begin the kingdom that's going to last forever. I imagine Mary, after the angel, gone like, what just happened? And uh, I wonder if it will take place just as the angel said. And it did. And actually, Paul in Romans sums up what Jesus achieved while he was here on earth. In Romans chapter 1, I think it is Treaty on Salvation. Romans chapter 1, verses 1. Paul sums it up like this. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God. The gospel he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. Regarding his son, who as to his earthly life was a descendant of David. And through the spirit of holiness was appointed the Son of God in power by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. And he's saying, look, Jesus was the Messiah fulfilling the prophecies. And he's come back to life because his kingdom is going to last forever. And so Christmas we can celebrate the fulfilling of these prophecies. But I would be amiss if I didn't point out the fact that it was not all completed, as it were, at the very first Christmas. It was only, as it were, half done. Jesus came to save us from our sins and to bring in the kingdom of God for everybody, not just the Jewish nation, but for all of us, so all of us could be included. 
But there's more to come. There's the other side of the prophecy, because only half is done. And before I get into some more practical things, I wanted to let you know that actually Jesus is going to come back, and he is going to fulfill the other half of the prophecy and bring ruling, bring rulership and everlasting life in. Matthew 24, verse 30, Jesus describes what it'll be like when he comes again. He says this, Then will appear, so Matthew 24, verse 30, Then will appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and then all the peoples on the earth will mourn. There'll be a, a dread. Why? Because this Jesus the world has heard about, they'll then see and recognize his kingship, his lordship, his godship, as it were. We'll mourn when they see a son of man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send his angels with a loud trumpet called, and they will gather his elect from the four winds from one end of the heavens to the other. And Paul summarizes it like this to the Thessalonians who are going through some horrible times in their world, it says this, brothers, so 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 13, it says this, brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death, so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus di died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring Jesus, those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from the heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. And after that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Way back in King David's day, thousands of years ago, there's this prophecy. Isaiah confirmed it in the darkest of the Israelite nation's days. The Bible says in the Gospels that Jesus fulfilled it, at least in part, and then goes on to explain that the rest will be completed in due course. And you go, hey, Ed, that's cool, but what does it mean? And I want to say it means three things for us. Three things for us as people in this day and age. And I want to tell you these three things through the story of the wise men. I'm going to summarize bits and pieces of it for speed. But the wise men says this in Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem. They got to Jerusalem. They went to the high priest and to the, to the, kind of the king's room and said, where's the baby? Which must have been awkward, right? Because there was no baby. And that they kind of figured it out. The kind of scribes went back to the Old Testament and said, oh, well, it's going to be in Bethlehem. And so they set off to Bethlehem. And um, it says in verse 9, After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star which they had seen rose, went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. And on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary. They bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented it with the gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. The wise men did three things. Well, they did a lot more than three things, but I just want to say three things. Which I want to encourage 
all of us to do this Christmas. The first thing they did is they sought after Jesus. They sought him. They, they were seeking this new king. As a people, let's seek him. The Magi had limited knowledge. They didn't know everything. They knew enough to get started. And we don't know what kind of Eastern teachings they had. We don't know how much they had of the Jewish scriptures. But they had enough to realize that something significant was happening in Israel. And so they sought him. They took time to do the research. They took time to figure it out. They took time to plan a journey. They spent a huge amount of money traveling hundreds and hundreds of miles with camels and soldiers and supplies and trailers and whatever else they needed to get there. They, they, they planned to take this gold, silver, and frankincense and everything they needed for the journey. It cost them a lot. But they sought after him. Now, if you don't know Jesus, I want to encourage you with all my heart, either in the room or online or listening later on, seek to find Jesus. He is worth it. The Bible says, in fact, in Hebrews 11, verse 6, that those who seek him are blessed if they earnestly seek after him. And if you would seek him, you will find him. But Christian, this Christmas, just because you found him, your knowledge is still limited. There's still much more to know about him and about the kingdom, and about all it means to be saved, about heaven and our future. There's so much more. Still seek after him. Don't stop. It's so easy as a Western Christian thing. I know so much. I've got it all. I don't need to do any more seeking after him. I don't need to press into him. I kind of know and all the basics, and you might, but there's so much more to learn. One of the things that Michelle and I kind of learned at Bible college, we were kind of in our 20s, Smart, intelligent, taught, been in church all these years. I even took Sunday school exams when I was a kid. I was like, I thought I knew my stuff. But the first thing I realized at Bible college is I don't know very much. I don't know very It kind of revealed the fact that we thought we knew so much, but actually we knew so little. And I want to encourage you this Christmas, like the wise men, to seek after God. Especially if you don't know him, if you don't know him well, but even if you know him really well, seek after him. Why? Because if you do, then you'll encounter him. And that will enable God to bless you, to, as it were, give you that which you need in him. The second thing they did was when they found him, is they, is they, they bow before him. Now, they would have done this, right? They would have gone all the way down. I'm getting a bit old for that, really, aren't I? But um, they would have gone all the way. Why? They would have paid homage to him. They would have bowed the knee. I was talking to one of the members of my family this week, and you know this Harry and Merkel show on Netflix? And I, I suspect some of you, Megan, what did I say? Merkel, sorry, Megan, Harry and Merkel. And I'm, I'm sure some of you already watched all six hours of it. No, I haven't either. I've watched just a little bit. And I'm, and, 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 I was talking to my, one of the members of my family about this, and they were saying it must be really weird for, like, you know, um, for her to have to curse to the queen. Right? But I said, waking up, it's a sign of honor. It's a sign of you know, respect for her. And 
everybody says, she says, yeah, I know. This person said, that, um, that, 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 you know, even, even the family have to do it. I said, yeah, because she's queen. She's, she's the authority, right? So they do it out of respect and out of, out of honor of who she is. And I suspect that our hearts are similar. Because we don't like bowing to anybody, do we? We struggle if our boss tells us something to do we don't want to do. We struggle if our husband and wife has a different point of view to us. We want to argue because we are right. Right? I know I'm always right. Unfortunately, I have a wife who always thinks she's always right as well. So we have to figure it out. But this idea of bowing the knee, of physically bowing our knee to another person, for most, well, it's not done culture, right? But just to think that that would be a good thing to do. I was like, really? But surely I'm equal to everybody. In this room, sure. Compared to God, no. We're not. And these wise men, these magi, who were obviously intelligent, rich, were respected, probably the top of their social ladder, they knew whose presence they'd just come into. And so they, they knelt before him, and they bowed their head, and they worshipped him because they knew who they'd come to. And this Christmas, I want to ask you, are you still worshiping Jesus? Are you still bowing the knee? Are you bowing your heart? Are you bowing your head? Are you coming under his authority? Are you saying, God, you're there, and I know I'm valued in your sight. I, I know that I'm precious. I know that I'm loved, but I know that I, compared to you, I'm only worthy to bow the knee before you. That doesn't mean I'm less valuable. It just means I know and understand who I am before you. Are you worshiping Jesus? Have you surrendered all parts of your life to him? Your finances, your family, your job, where you live, your home, whatever it is. Have you put God your first? And Have you worshiped in your, in your offering? I loved Erin's talk, where Erin is. Erin's talk, you know. Her, her, her mom said, look, all that I have is God's. What a great understanding to teach a child. It's all, I'm only giving what's his already. And I know if I will honor him first with my best, I know that actually he will return a blessing back at me. Not because I'm worth it, but because he blesses those that seek him, blesses those that honor him. And she's right. We don't need your money, but you need to give God your money to make sure your heart's in the right place. It really is so true. But worship, the wise men worshiped. Are you worshiping Jesus? Maybe you've never worshipped him. There's a whole stack of people come to church every Sunday across our land who've never worshipped Jesus. They enjoy the community. They enjoy the songs, maybe. They, they just enjoy being kind of in the faith environment, and they have some faith. But the Bible says even the devil believes as a God. That doesn't make you a Christian, a Christ follower. Perhaps you've never really bowed the knee. And at the end of this message, I'm going to give you a moment to bow the knee, maybe for the first time. We do it quite simply here. We ask you to put your hand up. Every eye's eyes will be closed. Mine won't. But to actually say, God, I want to honor you first in my life.
I'm going to put you, my Lord. I'm going to worship you. But for all of us who are saved, and that's a vast majority, if not everybody, are you still worshiping God? This Christmas, if God called you to travel a few thousand miles to go and visit a baby in a manger, would you go, don't be silly, God, and list a whole list of things why that was a silly idea? So I'm sure the wise men had some wise people in their lives going, well, it's a silly idea to do what you're doing. But they said, no, no, this is what I need to do. Are you still worshiping Jesus this Christmas? And then finally, and I love that Luke pops this, that, that Matthew puts this in the, in the story. They said, having been warmed in a dream, now to go back. The wise men, they were continually listening to God's voice. He had this open heart, even though in one sense they were pagans, far from God. They were still listening to him. They had an open heart. In their obedience of worship came God's voice into their heart and life. And I'm sure all those wise men will be in heaven. We'll get to talk to them and say, well, what was it like? How did it feel? What was, you know, all the kind of practical stuff. But they were continually listening to God's voice. They'd already been listening to God through Scripture and following that. But they, and we should do that. But they were also listening to the quiet whisper. You know, Elijah... One of the Old Testament prophets, he heard the small whispers of God in his life. I encourage you to do that. You can do it before you're saved, before you even know God. God, I want to hear your voice and he will come and he will minister to you because God is like that. But for us who know him, let's make sure our heart and our mind are open to his voice. Perhaps some of you will get visions. Perhaps you'll see angels. I've met one or two people that have seen angels. Great stories about angels visiting earth, even in our era. But are you open to allowing God to speak into your voice? The son of David has arrived. The eternal heir has arrived on the planet. Some is fulfilled. Some is yet to be fulfilled. But are you seeking him? If you're not, start. If you stopped, restart. Are you worshipping him? Have you bent the knee? Physically, maybe metaphorically. Metaphorically, have you bent the knee of your heart, of your mind, of your life, of your finances, of your future to him? And are you open? Is every area of your life open to hear the whisper of God? I believe if you would do these three things, you will hear God's voice more. He will direct you more. The blessings of heaven will be more evident in your life. For some of you, you'll go on journeys like the wise man and encounter God in new and fresh and amazing ways that you're like, wow, that was cool. You'll get to pray people, pray for people and see miracles and healings and incredible things if you would open your heart and your life to this son of David, this eternal heir who's bringing a kingdom that has begun partially in hearts and lives but will one day come in physicalness and all of us will stand before him. Thanks for listening. We hope you've enjoyed this message. 
If you've been impacted by it and would like to respond by choosing to follow Jesus, we'd love to help you to do that. One of our pastors would love to be in touch with you. Why not email response at valleychurch.eu or head to valleychurch.eu forward slash next steps to discover more. We're so excited for your future. Be blessed. Be blessed.